as an artist this probably had uh, an impact on you but I I was so amazed by the paintings that would appear in the magazines and on some of the box art and things like that um, yeah. they were just a fantastic I mean was it just one artist on those or were, were there several that they yeah um, uh, most that? generally I think Earl Norum was the uh, guy that they turned to to do a lot of the box art and he actually did a lot of the mini comic art and read-along stories. There's a couple read-along stories that he did the artwork for. I think his art actually was another part of Masters of the Universe. Basically drove me to try and become a better artist. To kind of mimic, not necessarily mimic I suppose, but to try and hone my skills, you know, as an artist. I would uh, look at his work. I would try to get familiar with uh, how to to pose the characters and uh, use uh, his uh, illustrations as a uh, as a reference, and then there, I would also use coloring books. I would trace coloring books, try to become familiar with the anatomy of the characters. And... Yeah. Now, now speaking of some of the storybooks, like we were talking about, there's a lot of merchandise, a lot of books, a lot of things like that. One of the things that kind of burned me in the Masters of the Universe world at one point was uh, there were these videos that were these golden books videos. They had these like bright yellow cover like the tape you know the vhs tape had like this bright yellow label on it and it made you think you were getting an episode of masters of the universe (laughs) it was like before like they were on like because i don't even know if they really were widely available on vhs ever and so like getting that i was like oh yes i've got i've got masters of the universe on on tape and then i watch it and it was literally a storybook Right. Just on a videotape, like right. so. There was just like you know pictures of the page art, and it was just like static images, like the old Marvel comics TV cartoons from exactly. the '60s. And you yeah. were just like, oh man. <laughs> they were not voiced by the you know the characters were not right. voiced by the same uh, actors that were performing on the cartoon, and that was pretty obvious uh, even to a kid you know, of my age that you know these are not the same. Yeah. <laughs> these are not the same voices. And then of course you didn't have any animation basically no animation it was just like you said more of a storybook presentation and uh, if you you were a kid and you thought maybe you were getting an animated episode you would be pretty disappointed uh, by that yeah i mean it it was definitely uh, a letdown but now do you have like a like a more treasured piece of memorabilia whether it's the toys or like just a a piece of merchandise that either you've kept over the years or you finally got in your adult years that just means the most to you i think probably uh, unfortunately, my collection didn't. Uh, it didn't stay in my possession. I, uh, by the time I became a uh, 14, 15 year old, 16 year old, I thought I'm going to sell these for money and I'm going to buy whatever was cool at that time. Yeah. And, uh, uh. So they ended up being sold in yard sales and garage sales, and um, which I regret, of course. Now, mm-hmm. definitely wanted to pick up a, uh, a Roboto in the package which i managed to do I, I picked up a couple of those so those are two that that i'm glad that i now have mm-hmm. i think probably eventually if uh, by some aligning of the planets and some mystical force came to, <laughs> came together <laughs> to make it happen i'd like to get the eternia playset oh wow so that's kind of the holy grail of right the, 
play sets, and not too many people actually had that. Nobody that I knew of when I was growing up had that. I had Snake Mountain, I had Castle Grayskull, never had Eternia. And uh, so I think one of these days, maybe. Yeah, and for those who aren't familiar with it, it is is a massive playset that actually has, like, tracks that are, like, that are like suspended off the ground and there's like a little car that you know zooms around the tracks i don't know right. if it actually fits figures i assume it does i'm not certain of that part i know it, they did incorporate aspects of snake mountain and aspects of castle grayskull on each side so you kind of have the main part of the attorney playset in the middle then you've got the snake mountain portion of it mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of themed like Snake Mountain on one side and the Castle Grayskull theme side. So they, they try to incorporate the the Grace, Castle Grayskull and the Snake Mountain places they had already put out so you could kind of play together as one, you know, uh, mm-hmm. set. And I never did manage to get that, just like uh, I never managed to get the USS Flag Yeah. G.I.G. <laughs> just one of those things that was too expensive and nobody I knew ever had it. So, nobody, nobody nobody, could probably fit that in their house. Right. <laughs> one of those things, like 20 feet long, you know, just yeah, like 400 pounds. Wouldn't have fit that in there. Yeah, it just, just didn't make sense Yeah, back in the day. No. Yeah, so the one thing for me that always stood out back in the day is I had the uh, just the light-up power sword. It was just like the plastic yellow plastic sword that lit up. And like that was like all I needed in life. I would just run around the backyard just forever and ever. Just, you know, just play with that. And, you know, even years after the, the sword had disintegrated and all that, like I still wanted to kind of cosplay as He-Man. And I, I remember in junior high. So this is like, you know, early 90s. Definitely He-Man is off everybody's radar and uh, we were doing some some project in, in an art class and I happened to have this like piece of brown construction paper that had really been like cut up kind of on all sides and I looked at it I was like that looks like He-Man's loincloth that's kind of his, <laughs> it's got that furry dimension to it so I literally like taped it to the front of it and I was like everybody I have the power and they're like what like what do you they're like that does not look like anything but inappropriate nobody went around when you were doing this right <laughs> there were lots of people around and i was proud of it this this is uh, oh, unfortunately okay. <laughs> i was like this is great isn't it nobody agreed they went back <laughs> to listening to nirvana fun. and watching beavis and butthead and i'm like oh i'm still in the <laughs> 80s sorry guys <laughs> did you ever um attend any of the um he-Man on Ice events or anything no, like I, that? No, I had a buddy who went to the Power Tour, and he had the tour book, and I just remember being so amazed because, you know, the, the live-action movie had come out, but... They again, we as we kind of talked about, they weren't. It wasn't really a faithful adaptation. The characters, there was no real connection to the designs. But the stage show, this live action, it was basically like kind of a live action musical um, of He Man. Uh, it's on YouTube, by the way. You can find it. Uh, they they had like the characters in full on costumes and I I didn't get to go but I totally like devoured that book of his because it showed it had you know uh, a, a kind of a headshot of each character in full costume so you had you know uh, 
<laughs> I mean, like people you just weren't imagining that. Wait, wait, they created spouts now or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah. They like they they really made a full costume for this person. Re, you know, <laughs> Rio Blast. You know, what I mean, he's got this giant backpack on. You're just like, I'd love to own one of those costumes. Oh, it would be awesome. Nobody else would appreciate it except you and I, <laughs> maybe. But <laughs> well, that's true. But. Uh... Now, did you go? I never did get to actually watch any of those, uh, uh. attend any of those events. And I, again, I think probably had a lot to do with where I'm located. You know, I'd have to travel an hour or two to get to any of those. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, like I grew up in California, so everything kind of came to us. You know, if you're near LA, you pretty much get access to whatever's going on. Yeah, so that is that is kind of you know, the other. Speaking of which, I'll just mention the other big thing. This was in 1985. It was just another way to kind of push the toys. You know, Shira had just come out and everything, and they actually had at Universal Studios the meet he-man event so you would go and you would you know you get your picture taken with he-man and they would actually give you a figure like that was what they promised uh-huh. on the commercial <laughs> like come get a free figure and meet he-man and skeletor and everybody and the commercial's awesome because it's just like dramatic lighting and they got the full on you know just like cloth costumes you know for the for the creature characters and it was like this is amazing. So that that was another one. I did not go because I was I, I was only like three at the time, but I vividly remember that commercial because I was just like so so enthralled. I, I know that. Um, speaking of the the figures, um, I had a friend who I visit often. You know, go over and uh, and hang out, and um, he always had one or two or three figures that I didn't. Of course, that he had those three figures made me very jealous <laughs> so i would try to work out trades with them i'd be like i'll trade you this figure for that figure and uh and i i'm trying to think of uh yeah uh, who, who had the most value that's what i'm wondering like who was worth right. like you know because like you're like i'll give you like i'll give you two whiplashes and uh and yes. a web store <laughs> you know for for your you know like who is your coveted figure would you say that maybe you didn't have back then probably um Early on, he had owned uh, Zodak, and I didn't. <laughs> and I, of course, that instantly made Zodak one of the coolest figures of course. in the line. It's like, wow, who's this guy? So I had to have that one, and it would ha- it would took a while, I think, before I actually did finally uh, get Zodak. And then you're like, and now it- I've got him. What do I do with him? <laughs> right. <laughs> what is this guy oh, good for? It's great. <laughs> now what do I do? Uh, yeah, he... Uh, I think that was uh, one of those dynamics between me and him that happened uh, with a lot of different action figure lines that we both owned. Secret Wars, you know, some of the other oh, yeah. uh, G.I. Joe, he would have a figure and I would instantly want that figure. I would have a figure and, and he would add that to his wish list. So to have a friend that also had, you know, some of those uh, figures kind of opened you up to uh, everything that you wanted. Your yeah. parents wouldn't spend the money. <laughs> Well, right yeah, then. exactly. Well, th- that's that's what you had to do back in the day is get like your network going of, of who has what right. collection. Like my buddy who went to the power tour, like he literally had like every He-Man figure. And then and then, you know, when He-Man kind of had its run, then he had every Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle figure, oh, every funny. real Ghostbusters figure. Like it just seemed like he must have gone to the toy store every single week and picked out <laughs> something new because if it was on the back of the of the card, you know, <laughs> You, he had it, and you could just oh, check it yeah. off. And I was just like, I don't believe it. 
And that true. desire to uh, have every figure mm-hmm. would drive drive me to do things that probably I wouldn't normally do, like lie, <laughs> for instance, about figures that I had and uh, and actually didn't, or uh, told you know accessories or vehicles <laughs> that oh, wow. I didn't actually have. I would say he would he might uh, have picked up something and I said, oh yeah, I got a tack track. <laughs> when I did not have tack track, and I think actually that come back to bite me one time because uh, I had told him that I had uh, I forget what it was, what the item was, but he came over and said, "Okay, where's it at?" And <laughs> oh, oh, I can't find it. I don't know what I did with it. Yeah, somebody must have taken it. It's stolen. I think my sister took it. Yeah. But uh, he, you know, the, it would that that drive to have the best collection would sometimes turn a, a good kid uh, bad. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, you gotta gotta watch out there that desperation. Now as we're just kinda wrapping it up here, I am just curious, you know, um obviously we're a, a movie based podcast. We we look to the future and then the what could be the what ifs and i'm just curious like there there's been rumors upon rumors forever of a masters of the universe film you know since the year 2000 probably we, we've had stuff coming you know it'd it say oh yeah this this director's attached and this actor's interested and oh here's you know a concept art that was never really concept art in a lot of cases but um what what is kind of your your hope or your your belief in in a new masters of the universe film do you feel like they would get it right now or are we in the era where that could occur i think probably i mean with with superhero movies that seem to be you know coming out every month over the past couple of years i think directors and costume designers that uh, are involved in these movies are starting to uh, do a better job capturing the look and the feel and the attitudes of these characters that you know, we grew up and were very important to us and without uh, changing you know too many uh, things about it and without straying too far from you know the source material i think they've started to come to a point in the movie making where they are able to tap into that without changing too many things and people accept it and uh, can still make the uh, studio a lot of money when you look at iron man and captain america i mean the characters and the their backstories and um, events taking place in the movies all reflect pretty well uh, the comic books and right. and the other source material that they draw from and so i think they could probably do uh, a really good masters of the universe movie uh, this time around and stay more faithful to the cartoon and the toy line than what the 1987 film did which yeah. kind of changed a lot of different things if, they, if, if, there, was, if there was one character that you said like you know they absolutely need to, to put this person in there who, who do you think it would be that, that would just make the movie for you probably fearless photon <laughs> they put him in the special features they're like we actually filmed this odd fearless photog you know like he, he, he was our camera and our camera man probably wouldn't hurt to include a couple of my own characters so yeah there we go get get tony they, involved he's ready they definitely have my they can definitely have my price of admission <laughs> they do that I think it's going to be exciting if they ever get around to it. I mean, even at this point, you know, Michael Bay obviously has gotten a hold of a lot of these uh, childhood properties. But, you know, the first Transformers movie wasn't that bad. The rest of them, you know, take them or leave them. The first Ninja Turtles film he produced, 
I didn't care for it, but this new one looks amazing. Like, it looks like they finally got everything right that you've been waiting for. Bebop, Rocksteady, Krang, just like everything. Y'all, y'all have to agree with you there. I, I just saw uh, the Super Bowl yeah. ad, and uh, they actually put, you know, this flesh head on a robot body. <laughs> yeah, if you can believe <laughs> and, it. And an, and a, and an opening in the in the stomach, uh, just like Krang, you know, something you, you would never think they would do. Uh, which, you know, again, gives you hope that they might actually do something right uh, with the, a Masters of the Universe film. Uh, there's nothing too ridiculous that can't show up, <laughs> show up in a movie, apparently. Yeah, at because this point. Because if any yeah. character is ridiculous, it's crying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but they, I, I, I just think I think if they if they could stay true and just pick some core characters, I mean, I think you got to, yeah, just base it on the cartoon and give us, you know, give us Trap Jaw, give us, you know, triclops you know like whoever you're gonna do just just do it right make it faithful they don't even have to be big characters like really they could just be on screen for for a couple minutes and everybody would be happy they'd get blown up in a battle scene at least you did it you know i would be satisfied with that and do you have any uh any casting in mind for he-man is there any one actor that you've seen in the last few years and said ah if they were gonna do it he could be the one maybe it's probably a little maybe a little too obvious Chris Hemsworth yeah. is great as Thor, and mm-hmm. I think he would also be great as Heat Man. Yep, uh, he's got the you know Thor and Heat Man have a similar look, so I think he could probably uh, perform that part. Yeah, and do it and pull it off. And I, you know, really beyond him, I can't think of anybody. Uh, you know, the physique mm-hmm. and the acting chops to be able to pull that off. Right. Yeah. No. I, I think. I think he'd be a great choice. Absolutely. And uh, if you, if by chance, folks, you are listening to this episode without having listened to the uh, Masters of the Universe episode of Sequel Quest, make sure you go over and check that out because you're going to be very surprised at our casting of He-Man. I'm not going to reveal it here. And you've already <laughs> heard it. You are either on board with us or you just wrote off the show because you said you guys are ridiculous. But I, I think we've come up with something that uh, that would please get tell me. It wasn't The Rock. No, The Rock is not involved. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, maybe you're not that ridiculous. Yeah, we haven't taken it that far. But yeah, but with that... uh Tony, just again, thanks for thanks for being a part of this bonus episode. It was great to chat with you. And who knows, you know, down the line, folks, if you're listening, you'd like to hear some more discussions. I'm sure we could get some more people involved. There's there's so much more that we we didn't touch on uh, that, that we could get into. So uh, be sure again, go visit uh, retrodays.org. It's so much fun to be had there. I mean, there's old uh, audio storybooks that, you know, that you have, there are links to you can download. There's VHS art covers, you know, from your favorite movies from back in the day at the rental store. I mean, there's even, you know, you have the ability to submit stories of your childhood memories and things that mattered most to you you can actually earn points and then buy awesome things in the point store which currently has some of the uh the reproduction masters of the universe figures up for grabs is that right tony and the uh, and the roger sweet book is also that's right yeah so you can even get all the details uh from, from from there so Visit there and hey, while you're at it, read a couple of my articles. I I contribute as Hoju Coolander, right. <laughs> and uh, uh, Tony's been kind enough to let me be an official uh, contributor over there for um, coming up on two years pretty soon here. So we we hard have a good you, time. You hard to believe it's been uh, four years now almost. It's been the site's been up. 
Time flies. Yeah, and get get in on the forums over there because there's there's a lively group. If you just if you grew up in the eighties and nineties, you're gonna feel right at home, and you're gonna have a lot of a lot of people to to discuss things with. And uh, by the way, every Halloween and Christmas there are specials that play. Uh, past uh, specials that Tony's produced featured the likes of David Hasselhoff and uh, Larry Kenny, the voice of uh, Lionel, among others. Uh, so, so we've had uh, you know some pretty, pretty big name stars involved. Who is I would know Mick Foley, uh, right? You know, Mankind, Cactus Jack has uh, has led his uh, his vocal talents to the shows. So actually, uh, being that this is a Masters of the Universe episode, uh, I think I may be able to get Alan Oppenheimer to provide voice in uh, this year. Oh, look at that, Skeletor himself. That's right. That's right. Skeltor, Falcor, uh, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> Duncan. Uh. You can have all those characters. <laughs> all right. In the meantime, we uh, we bid you farewell for now. From Eternia to you, good journey. Thank you, Sequel Questers, for hanging out with us during our special three-part interview during... Masters of the Universe Week! Stay tuned for tomorrow's show, where we post the granddaddy of all that is He-Man, our full-on reboot sequel of Masters Masters of the the Universe. Universe!